we're starting a new series uh, today, which I'll explain in a minute, called the Agape Road. But I want to pray a prayer first. And because I'm all tuned up, keyed up, stirred up and prayed up, it's a warrior prayer. So if you can say amen, if you want to say amen to this, you can. It's one of my crafted ones. Dear God, teach me to live from the inside to the outside. No matter what's going on on the outside, there's a place where I'm safe and secure in who you are. Then like Paul, I can go through all kinds of stuff. He was never deflected and he ran his race. God, grant me to run my race with strength and power. Father, grant me that I see into the spirit realm, that I can think my way into that dimension and learn to abide in the God who inhabits the supernatural. That I become a warrior, nothing daunting, nothing out there troubling me, because there's a place on the inside where I have a refuge, a fortress, a high tower. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I sense I need to pray this one, which uh, is, is an, again a crafted prayer, and you know it because you've heard it. I think I used it on the school, I'm not, not sure what's recently. Things all merged together. Father, you are altogether glorious. Everything you touch carries the fragrance and passion of your manifest presence. You are wonderful, awe-inspiring and magnificent. You are kind-hearted, gracious, loving, good-natured and benevolent. You are generous, cordial, approachable and thoughtful. You are slow to anger and swift to bless the good, acknowledging the treasure and worth in us. You inspire confidence, renew our self-worth and put a smile on our hearts. You are captivating, beautiful and completely lovely. You are powerful and strong, a force to be reckoned with, a conqueror and an overcomer. You are a fierce and mighty warrior. The fear of you is the beginning of wisdom. Whatever you are, you are infinitely. It's impossible for you not to be everlasting, endless and eternal. You are the greatest endless and eternal expression of goodness, kindness and grace. You are everlastingly kind and merciful and eternally loving. You love infinitely and without boundaries. There is no end to your kindness. You are totally perfect, infinitely good and perfectly good. You are perfect love and grace. Your love is complete, wholesome and perfect. You are always loving because you are infinite and perfect. You are immutable. You never change. What you were, you are and will be. You have placed me in the one place where I can always get my needs met, where I can relate to you in all my changeableness. You put me into Christ so that his unchanging, infinite and perfect love can become a constant to me as I grow up in him. Thank you, Father. You are never indifferent. Your silence is just silence. You are never detached, aloof or unresponsive. Reflecting on your constancy and unchangeable nature makes me want to cry. You bring peace to me by your constancy. Thank you, Father, as I sink back into your rest and constancy, I know that all will be well, and all will be well, and all manner of things will be well. I can feel my heart settling down 
into your eternal unchanging nature of goodness, faithfulness and love. I find a safety in your arms I could never have imagined, a place where I can leave all my cares and concerns because you are infinitely more concerned about them than I am and you have the solution to them all. What joy, what confidence, what radiant satisfaction to be in the place where all my needs are met and my heart is filled afresh with the bounty of you. You withhold nothing of yourself from me. Grant me, Father, to withhold nothing of myself from you. Amen. It's good to write eulogies, prayers, uh, actually telling the Lord how you see him. And if you write them down when you've got a bad day, you can say them just the same. You don't have to feel like it. Feelings have got absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, they've just got nothing to do with it. A good thing to uh, write prayers about is things that you've actually had uh, prophecies about over your life. And I've just opened up on one here uh, that I wrote in June 2002. <coughs> and it goes like this. It's a, it's a year of favour and it's a psalm of proclamation. Father, you're going to perform all the things you've spoken over my life. You are going to make me, this was one of the um, prophecies I had many times over my life. might explain a few things to you. Into a sharp threshing instrument to get to the heart of your people and bring about change in their core beliefs, to get their heart right, change their minds and reform their behaviour. I'll put a star at the bottom, not behaviour modification. You're going to move me, enlarge my territory, give me more authority and responsibility and make me into a forerunner so that I never look back. The vision will come to pass. I won't stagnate. I will be a friend of God. I will be pleasing to you. I will walk every day in your smile of approval and I will not love my life unto the death. That is my positive confession. Good to write things like that out as well. Uh, in these days, those of you who've got prophecies over your life, it's a good thing to start digging them out and having a look at them because they're beginning to come to pass. Someone said to me, uh, it was, it was um, Janice Richards, about a year ago now, that everything God has spoken over you is going to come to pass. And she didn't know me the first time she'd ever met me, so I thought, well, that's a nice thing then, that's good. Be pleased about that. So we still wait and we still see and there's still time, isn't there, for him to do it. Okay. So, I sense a change in direction uh, that after 15 weeks or so we've actually come to an end of the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes, as we've called them. Anyone who's been missing them, they're on, on the CDs and we've just acquired a lovely box to put the CDs in. It's got numbers on, one to, one to three hundred. So a little job for me or someone, getting that all listed down. And, and we'll know where we are then, and we'll be able to put them in there. And they naturally lead into the next phase of the Christian walk, which is learning to walk on the Agape Road, or our journey into Father's heart. And on that journey, we will discover the roadblocks and the potholes that are in the way of our progress. 
we will discover, as did the Israelites, the giants that are in the land that are seeking, we are seeking to possess, and we'll find ourselves diverted by roadworks and slowed down by speed limits, but we will get there. As I prayed and sought the Lord, my feeling of wading through concrete told me that it was time for a change. So if there's anything you're doing and you feel like you're wading through concrete, God is saying it's time you changed. It's trying to stop you doing it, particularly if you've got something that you're doing, you know, in the spirit. That is his way. I've heard Joyce Mayer talk about this. You know, if you begin to feel you're wading through concrete and your feet are fastened to the ground, it's lost its lightness and its life. It's time for a change stuck in the mud and for a little while I thought maybe it was time to stop altogether but I don't think that is the case I'm always laying it before the Lord about whether he really does want to carry on with stuff because you've got to be like Todd you've got to be so sensitive to what he's saying and, and, and ready to make a mid-course correction or a flying change any moment so just to recap really on where we got with the Beatitudes and then we'll start to look at what really it's about regaining the inner territory that was lost at the fall. You're looking after me. We'll start looking at regaining the inner territory that we lost at the fall. We'll look at the difference between image and likeness which we looked at a little bit last week and what it really means to be seated in heavenly places and how our thinking needs to change to bring us permanently into the place where we're not phased by anything that life throws at us. And we will look at what Jesus did on the cross and how to come into all he won for us. The way is open and the road is before us. And one thing we must have got a hold of by now is this, that the truth doesn't set you free until you experience it. And some of us have been having quite difficult practicals on that one. God loves to make things real in your experience. So you'll come here and you get your teaching and then you'll suddenly find yourself right in the middle of a dollop or something. And that is him making it real in your experience. It's the bit we don't like and sometimes we don't recognise that that is actually what's happening. Because we will say, if you love me, you'll get me out of here. Uh, but he says, no, it's because I love you, I'm keeping you in it, so as I can do something in there. Cost me a lot of money, as he would say, as Graham would say, to get you into this situation, and I'm not taking you out of it now. That's why a head full of knowledge and a cabinet full of notes is useless to us. We absolutely have to experience difficulties and tests in order to grow. Ask a tree. The wind blows to make it put down strong roots, to hold on deep down. No wind, no roots. Simple. Um, as a tree grows, really, you know, we have to have those seasons in our lives. And yesterday God was talking to me about seasons a lot. Uh, as seasonal changes, how the weather changes. And in our personal lives, in spite of what's going on in Florida, we're all in a different place. So we've got to go with whatever God is speaking to us about in, that, in our own life at the moment. We can't go just dashing off and wanting to join the parade there when he's actually wanting us to address something. So we, are you okay? So we need to, to be aware of what he's doing in us and what he's doing through us. Two totally different things. 
I've read a brilliant book just recently. I don't go in for reading books very much at all. Uh, someone gave it to me to, bor to, to borrow it because we were talking about something some weeks ago. And it's called How to Live Like a King's Kid by a man called Harold Hill. I didn't like it because I didn't like the picture on the front, which is of a little boy with his hair all spiked up and a pair of shades. And I thought, ugh. Then one morning, I think it was Saturday morning, I just picked it up and I started to read. I have never read anything like it in my life. This man is actually the one that, he was an engineer, I want to get, it would be so useful to get a copy for your husband. The man was an engineer uh, and at one stage he was on the NASA project at the time when they were trying to solve the re-entry problem. And there was a Christian, you know the story, there was a Christian on, on that NASA project. Mm, yeah. And uh, when he said, well, of course in the Bible the sun stood still for a whole day and they're all going, oh, scoff, scoff, you know. But when they worked out their calculations, they found that that brought them an awful lot closer to, to solving the re-entry problem. But there was a little bit more as well. In Hezekiah, he's asked whether he wants the sun to go forwards or back. I can't remember whether it went back or forward now. But whatever it was, that extra 15 degrees or whatever it was, was the bit that solved the re-entry problem. Again, it was this Christian who happened to be on the staff at NASA. And this man was on this on the staff at the same time. He was um, what he would call himself a self-made man and uh, just radically saved because he tried to commit suicide, made a failed attempt at that and got radically saved at the same age as I did, 48. I should think he's probably gone to be with the Lord now because this was written in 74 this book and I think he was in his 70s then so he's probably gone home. The first story in the book, which was absolutely amazing, and I thought, Lord, I'm living in the wrong place. He's on this aeroplane flying from Baltimore, an internal flight, but it's, it's flying, say, from Baltimore to New York, and then it's hopping to London from there. So it's full of fuel. Uh, and they've been circling for a while over uh, Kennedy Airport. That would be New York, wouldn't it? Mm. Uh, and suddenly the pilot comes back and says, we're having a little bit of difficulty with our hydraulics goes back to the cockpit circles again uh, and suddenly uh, the pilot says the it won't go down we're going to have to make a belly landing and he knows this lo plane is loaded with fuel there's absolutely no way that we aren't going to be crisps so he starts to say thank you father it's graduation day I'm coming home and the Lord says to him Hill that is about the most selfish thing I've ever heard you say. What about all these other people on the plane? You know, what about them? They're not going where you're going. Now you start praying. So, Father, can you show me something? Suddenly he gets this picture of the hydraulic gear, like Todd, drained of all the fluid. So he sees what the problem is. So he starts saying, Holy Spirit, will you pour the oil in, please? And he starts to see the level coming up of the oil in the hydraulic system. So Julie, down they start to go. Everyone's absolutely terrified. And within 10 feet of the ground, the wheels come out. And they make a landing with all the fire engines, the ambulances and all that. And 
they come to a stop 10 feet from the admin building and the pilot comes back looking white and shaky saying I've no idea what happened uh, but somehow our undercarriage came down and as you can see we're 10 feet from the administration building and he said it would have been the biggest fire on record because it would have gone straight into the admin building and probably consumed everybody who was standing there trying so that was just the start of his, his travels, uh, you know, and he said, never, ever, 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 ever ask the Lord for a fresh word of testimony when you're going somewhere, because he did that one day and had a blowout on a, on a eight-lane motorway and he's careering across this. <laughs> but those were the sort of things that, uh, you know, he retails in this book. But what is really interesting in, is in amongst all of this, he had one daughter and she becomes a Christian, telling you all about the story now, aren't I? Uh, marries, but the marriage is not a good one. And despite all their prayers, everything goes wrong. And the daughter makes an attempt on her life by taking too many pills and something else as well. And... Um, there they are at the bedside, you know, the, 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 the physicians have given up, they, they, sorry she won't last till the morning, there's absolutely nothing we can do. And so he said, we both said to the Lord, we can't pray anything other than mum and dad prayers, we can only say, save our daughter because we just don't know what else to pray. So in the midst of all this the Lord says, whose daughter is she? Oh she's ours. No, she's mine. Ah. So at that moment, they had to let go of their daughter and give her up to the Lord. From the moment that they did that, everything leveled off and she started to recover. They still kept her in, hosp in a in psychiatric, psychiatric ward for eight more weeks because they couldn't believe, one, that she'd recovered and two, that she was of her right mind. Uh, but the moment that he let go, or they let go, of the child, God was able to move. And the point that he was making was that, as I've said so many times here, to the extent that we hold on to something that we perceive as ours, is to the extent that we are preventing God actually moving in that person's life. You wouldn't realise it, would you? But that is what is happening. Because we have got our sticky fingers on it and saying, I want you to do this in this situation which means the Lord can't do a jolly thing because we are dictating to him and he won't invade our free will so we have to come to the place where we see that we steward everything and it belongs to him as he said it's my, she's not your daughter she's mine and from that moment it all turned around many many lessons in the book extremely good but couldn't help thinking of your husband when I was reading it I thought he'd be interested in this because it's all about an engineer, you know. But the thing that he describes our head as, or our mind, is as the educated idiot box. I thought, that is absolutely brilliant. And it about sums it up, because the rational mind here, what's between your ears, is always in a paralysis of analysis about things. As, as you said, it's always looking at things and thinking, oh, I don't know about that taking in information but dissecting it at the same time and throwing out that which doesn't make sense to it. So what's got to go is our natural mind. 
because our natural mind will only see things on a natural level and we've got to start looking from a different uh, dimension faith doesn't make sense until afterwards Jesus says trust me and everything in us wants to run away Jesus says come to me and you will find rest for your souls and we say no way I need to work this out find my own plan faith leaps fear looks we used to say in the Pentecostal church so the whole pivot I'm back to it again of our Christian walk is the will and a flabby will isn't making choices Satan attacks our minds and our emotions to subvert our will. We cannot live in our emotions. If we live there, we're lost because we'll be meat for him. Our will is the vehicle for the presence and power of God, and it's the vehicle for faith, and it feels nothing. Making a choice, you feel nothing. I just choose to trust you in this. God has been speaking to me about the sovereignty of God, and we had some we had church on Sunday and a couple of people came um, who are very prophetic and I knew that God was going to speak to them it just I knew he was going to speak to them but what actually happened was that during the course of the meeting the gentleman started to scribe stuff and afterwards he turned to me and said I've got a word for the from the Lord for you and I thought that's strange because I thought it was you who was going to speak to probably gives me this word and I'm thinking not me uh, the word he gave me was for his wife because he was I'd just been talking before he gave the word about needing to see the sovereignty of God in situations uh, and the situation they are in they need to see the sovereignty of God not what people are doing because if you see what people are doing you're going to get just to go down in the in the mire and this word was all about that I needed to see the sovereignty of God and I'd, I needed to not feel that I was the mother of the world because Jesus was and I'm thinking I'm trying Lord to apply this to myself and that I've got to let people go and that, uh, if they struggle they struggle and if they die they die and that's nothing to do with me and I'm thinking so he said so I've written it down and I'll, and I'll give it to you so he wrote it down and he gave it to me I said well that requires a response I said so I'm responding I'm saying yes Lord I need to do something about that because I wasn't about to disagree so when I prayed about it afterwards I prayed with Joyce she said it's not for you and the Lord said to me it's not for you I said I didn't think it was you know so what do you want me to do with this thing nothing um, he'd actually given it to me to show me where these people were does that sometimes so that I could see where they were that and the other thing was he said I don't want you putting them on a pedestal they get it wrong too because that very easily believe it or not happens with me um, Joyce is always constantly astounded I'm very easily shaken someone's only got to make a critical and I'm thinking yeah I bet they're right I've got that wrong <gasps> and I'm all of a you know <laughs> you wouldn't think it but I am, because in here I'm listening and I'm sensitive to what people are put, inputting. So he inputs that and I'm thinking, well, I need to turn myself inside out now. And it's like the Lord said, well, you can stop unzipping yourself because it's got nothing to do with you. I've just shown you so that you can see people make mistakes and that actually was, yeah, for there. So do I send it to, the no, you don't, you keep it, just 
take no notice I'll find another way of doing it you know but it's interesting isn't it the way that the lessons that we have you know uh, in, in the way that God works so that for whatever we need he will show us I don't know where I started there with that one um, but it was am I on or off? off on on off on off shake it all about so that was interesting I'm having a lot of interesting things happening for me because I'm saying to the Lord I can't teach on um, you need to know what God is doing in you as well as what he's doing through you unless I know what you're doing in me right now um, and you see the fact was God is so kind get this for kindness I've been asking him where I'm at because I was wrestling with this, whether I should go on with doing any teaching, whether I should lay everything down, whether it's roses round the door and retire time, you know. I can hear him laughing. Uh, and uh, haven't invested all that in you for you to put your feet up. Thank you, Father. <laughs> and so that morning, on Sunday morning, I was before the Lord, re reading something, doing something completely nothing to do with the questions I've been asking asking and all of a sudden he said to me you're in the ebb and I knew what he meant you're either in the flood of the tide coming in or you're in the tide going out I said oh thank you now I know where I'm at so all the bits of flotsam and jetsam and that and all the nasty bits are going to be looked at and taken out of the way oh thank you father then comes this prophetic word but he'd already told me where I was I thought it doesn't line up with what he said to me this morning so I got that bit of information because he knew that I'd go in a complete downward spiral uh, if he didn't make it clear for me so he's so kind about these things so I'm in an ebb so things like Todd Bentley coming up shows deep things in my heart that's what that did for me when I heard about that I'm thinking mixed emotions have I missed it why aren't I experiencing it I want some of that have I got to you know I'm up on my hind legs so of course I'm okay Lord deal with me ruthlessly, correct me severely, the stuff going on in my heart that is even deeper than I knew and that's why I'm in an ebb. Can you explain Todd Bentley? Sorry, Todd Bentley, uh, Florida Revival. Yes, thank you. Todd Bentley, Florida Revival, currently over there and probably, hopefully, till Jesus comes. That's what we've been promised, that the last revival will be the one that will keep going until Jesus comes. Another signpost of the lateness, shortness of the hour. It's just brilliant. There's all sorts of, there's this, there's the raising up of the army, there's being aware of the time that we're in, in the time frame of God. So we need to be informed and take our places. Like, um, uh, you weren't, many of you weren't here, were you, for the uh, school? Satin to, what's her name's comb, Joyce, any idea? Can you see it? Oh. On the school, um, that we recently had which was called I can't remember the hands of God thank you the first day I think it was because Gina was here staying 
and she had told us a story about how she was went to a drawer in her home and there were two crackers left over from Christmas in this drawer. There was a gold one and a red one. Now let's say for argument's sake the Holy Spirit said pull the pull the gold one. So she said the red one? No, the gold one. <laughs> so she pulled it and out comes these pieces like this. She thought, what's that? So then she said, I thought to herself, hang on, that's a this is a comb, incidentally, for those of you listening on C D which splits into <coughs> four pieces, looks like a knit comb to me, splits into four pieces and all different colours, very pretty, lovely and very useful, use it as a comb. Um, and so she started to put this thing together and as she's doing this, the Lord's speaking to her, it's like my people, they're all parts of a puzzle and they all have a specific role to play. And I'd said to her some years ago, uh, knowing that the call on her life is a warrior, that if you drop out, that means everybody else has got to close ranks and it also means that that is not actually going to be as the, the weapon or the uh, item for which it was designed. We have to close ranks but it means that we're, we're not got the power either. Somebody else has got to do twice as much. This is why it's so important that we all take our places. <laughs> And so as she's doing this, the Lord's speaking to her about it. And uh, that when it was put together, it became an object that was useful. So that's why that stayed on the table, because that is an object lesson. When, it's, when we're all in ranks, and look at the lovely colours as well, you see. The other thing is, we're all different, all different shapes, but we're all actually meant to fit, 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 sit, fit. It's alright, it's a wasp just come in. Uh, so the importance of the things to, to be aware of at the time is the shortness of the hour, the time that we're in. Not to get caught up too much with excitement about things, but to keep your head. Hear what God is saying to you. Obey what he's talking to you about. Take your place in the army. And as we were saying earlier on, fine tuning going on for some of us. Uh, because this is not a game that we're in and we all have different uh, roles to play uh, some of us some of us are warriors some are generals some are foot soldiers uh, some are artillery whatever else there is in an army um, but we need to know our position and take it up because it's it's not it's for real now that when I think we're coming up for uh, the mother and father of a battle but God is getting his troops ready he's mobilising his army and that is what the whole of uh, the next um, baton meeting will be about anyway so we were talking about wasn't I um, the will and a will that is flabby isn't making choices so Satan attacks your mind and your emotions to subvert your will and the will is the vehicle for the presence and power of God and it's a vehicle for faith and the only safe place for our will is firmly in the hands of God you know I've said it so often he's got mine like that and I don't need to let it go victory comes from a submissive will from a will that is submitted to the greatness of God uh, do you remember saying that uh, you can't manifest anything in the spirit if your will is working against you? Because submission to God must come first. 
and I think not sure if it was at the the last conference or I've got so muddled up with everything I'm doing but um, we will always magnify something so is it good or bad for you what you're magnifying is it empowering you or is it reducing you is it introducing doubt and unbelief and you get to choose what you think and I'm just going to ask you now to just stop for 10 minutes and and ask yourself what am I magnifying right now am I magnifying the Lord is he the biggest thing in my vision right now um, and whatever it is is it doing me good if it isn't thus saith the Lord stop it You magnify him, give thanks to him, and that aligns you with the Holy Spirit. How you feel has got diddly squat to do with it. Because you do that first, and you will find your feelings will follow. That is the way it works. You exert your will to align yourself with him, and the rest will follow. I felt like a bit of chewed string the other day, but I chose to worship. And in worship... I've got revelation about things. That is the point at which you get revelation. You don't get it in thanksgiving, you don't get it in praise, but when you move into worship, that is the place, because you're in the Holy of Holies, face to face with the Lord, that is where you will get your revelation. That's where you're really in there. As I said, the way is open, the road is before us, and that is where you, and we, every one of us need to be getting revelation from God on a regular basis we need to expect to be growing we need to be in a different place in worship this week than we were last week it's a progressive thing so ask the Holy Spirit to help you it's the only way you'll do it the only way I've found that I do it is I want to upgrade my worship Holy Spirit teach me it's all about walking with the Holy Spirit as Amos 3.3 says can two walk together except they be agreed and you can't walk with God when you're out of alignment with him you have to move and as Jim Ripley used to say that God said to him if the Holy Spirit treads on your toes Jim move your feet so you have to move your feet so have a little think for five minutes or so what am I magnifying is it doing me good if it isn't stop it Amen. Oh,